Welcome into another week of Dropping Dimes. I'm your host, Matt Nost, and we are here for the trade deadline madness. A bunch of trades have already happened uh, over the past five days, if you want to start with last week's <coughs> Blazers and Clippers trade, leading into, so far, uh, three trades over the past 24 hours. One just broke uh, less than an hour ago. Woj uh, posted the details of that, Utah. Uh, shipping out Joe Ingles. And so we're going to get to a discussion of the trades that have transpired. And for those uh, watching, just like I said last week, if you want to join me um, on this show, the email is in the chat itself. So uh, email me. I can send you the link and you can uh, jump in. And I would love to hear what you want from your team, um, you know, what you think should you trade out players, try and acquire someone specifically, stand pats, uh, ship out guys for uh, future draft compensation, um, whatever you want to do. The email is in there, it's at the top. So email me in, I can send you the link, and then uh, I would love to get your thoughts on what you'd like your team to do. As far as, you know, this trade deadline, there's 24 hours left. There's a lot that could transpire and happen. Um, so we're going to open up today's discussion with the trades that have happened so far. So the newest one, the one that just happened uh, a little over like 45, 46 minutes ago was uh, Utah is trading Joe Ingles. Joe is hurt. He's out for the season with a torn ACL, and he also has a $14 million expiring contract. The Jazz had been hinting at, <coughs> excuse me, either trading him or Jordan Clarkson. Those were their two most tradable assets, but Ingles is expiring $14 million, uh, was the most likely of candidates, even though he's a fan favorite and teammates seem to love him. But once he went down with a knee injury, I mean, he's on the record as saying, at this point, I fully understand if the Jazz want to trade me in the hopes of getting someone that can uh, help push the team towards championship contention this year. And as others have pointed out, because he'll be a free agent at the end of the season, it's not as though he couldn't go back to the Jazz if he wanted. He could just tell his family, go ahead and stay put, and I'm going to re-sign with you know, them so long as they're willing to offer a contract in the offseason. But so the Jazz send out Joe Ingles and Elijah Hughes, who's still on his rookie deal, and a second rounder. I'm sorry. Here's here's the entire trade. Utah acquires Portland's Nikhil Alexander-Walker, uh, who they just got in the C.J. McCollum deal from New Orleans Pelicans. Um, they get San Antonio's Juancho Hernan Gomez. The Blazers get Joe Ingles, Elijah Hughes, and a second rounder. And the Spurs get Thomas Sadoransky and a second rounder. So Portland is continuing to be hands down the most active team. Uh, it is a fire sale in Portland. And apparently the only person that is safe is Dame. Cause who knows? Maybe even Nurkic goes out. So there's that one. I mean, the, the Blazers have two other trades that they've made. Um, but we'll start with this first one. I mean, for Utah, it makes all the sense in the world. They get a little bit extra scoring. 
um, at the guard position in Alexander Walker, and they had a little bit of depth at power forward and Juancho uh, Hernan Gomez, even though Gomez hasn't played that many games this year. Um, it's less than 25. It adds, it gives them a little bit more depth at the wing. They probably would have been better served, maybe getting a little bit more uh, uh, front court depth. Uh, but that being said, you know, picking up two guys and Alexander Walker, maybe blossoms under, uh, you know, uh, Utah's, uh, tutelage as opposed to you know previously with the pelicans um i'm not you know he didn't his development wasn't fully fostered although he's, he's blossomed nicely he's a double digit scorer this year uh and adds depth to utah's bench so it gives them a little bit more of an offensive punch and for the blazers that's 14 more million dollars that they get off of I mean, they're going to have cap space four days. And then with the CJ deal, they also have a $21 million trade exception if they want to do something else. Um, but they're going to have tons of cap space. The game plan right now is acquire assets, free up cap space, and build this new team entirely around Dame and make a push with Dame. Um, you know, I don't know why... They would bring Dame back this year, although I believe he was at uh, practice the other day, not you know participating in practice, but getting some shots up after his surgery. Um, so he's on the road to recovery. But the Blazers are doing anything and everything they possibly can to get as many assets. Mostly so far, though, they've been second-rounders. They do have one protected first rounder that they've gotten back. I believe I have the, I've got it down in my notes, but it's been mostly second rounders. Um, I mean, that's just one of three massive trades that the Blazers have done. And that massive in that, when you look at the entirety of what they're doing, the, the biggest piece they sent out was in the Blazers Pelicans deal. So the Pelicans acquire CJ McCollum. Uh, which is a huge piece. It's been the Damon CJ show now for quite a while. And for a long time, the discussion every off season has been, should they break up this duo? Can this duo win a championship together? Who's the more tradable piece? Which one has more value? And they ship out CJ McCollum, who's still got two years left for just shy of $70 million. It's like 69.2 uh, or 3, something along those lines, over the next two years, not including what he's owed the rest of this season, plus Larry Nance and Tony Snell. And Larry Nance, they just acquired. And Tony Snell is on an expiring deal. So the Pelicans, but it's a veteran minimum, so it's not like they're going to get off of much money on that. But the Pels got C.J. McCollum, a nice piece. And if Zion ever comes back, well, the three of them plus potentially Valanchunas, like the team's starting to get really interesting. And the Pelicans want to push for, you know, a playoff berth. They're hell bent on it, apparently. And they're currently in the play in game. So getting another potent scorer could bolster them and really propel them into 
perhaps that seven, eight range, as opposed to the nine, 10 that they're currently in and get them into the better aspect of the play in game. Um, but the Blazers on the flip side acquire, acquire Josh Hart, Alexander Walker, who they already shipped out, Sadoransky, who they already shipped out, uh, and Didi Luzada, who I don't know. And the Blazers got a 2022 first rounder. So this year's first rounder. But there are protections galore. Now, if the pick ends up being one through four, it goes to the Pelicans. If it's five through 14, it goes to the Blazers. And it's 15 through 30, it goes to the Hornets. And they also got two second rounders as well. If the pick doesn't convey this year for the Blazers, then it converts to a future first round pick. And then the Hornets, if it doesn't convey this year, it just shifts to a second rounder. Um, so as of this trade, they freed up somewhere in the ballpark of 60 million in cap space. And then if you tag on potentially 60 million in cap space, then you tag on Joe Ingles is 14 million expiring. You know, we're in the 70 to 75 million dollars that the Blazers will have to spend. And the, I hope they don't fall into the trap of we have this cash, so we might as well go ahead and spend it and lock themselves into a bunch of ridiculous contracts. Um, but the Blazers are not finished because they also last week, at the end of last week, traded Norman Powell, who just signed a five year extension for 90 million dollars, and Robert Covington. To get Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a second rounder. I hate this trade. The CJ McCollum one, it's mainly to get off of money. Uh, and you got Josh Hart and Didi Luzada basically out of it, coupled with Joe Ingles expiring and Elijah Hughes. You got some young guys and Josh Hart. And then Eric Bledsoe, who's just at this point, we know exactly what you're getting from Eric Bledsoe. Justice Winslow has always been a lot of promise and not entirely sure what you're getting on the court. Um, Keon Johnson in a second rounder. So they've gotten a bevy of second rounders plus one potential first rounder this year, otherwise one that will convey in the near future. And they have blown up their entire team. I really hope this works out for the Blazers because they have dramatically shifted the landscape of what that team is. I mean, is Dame in? I'd have to assume Dame is in a lot of these discussions about who they can get and the freeing up of the cap space. And maybe like at the Olympics, he spoke to some guys and thinks that he can do what others have done, like in, Brooklyn or Miami previously or whatnot is get guys to come to Portland. They're going to have enough money to sign near two two near max guys. If that's how they want to spend their money or they can get another max guy and then fill it out with quality players around them. Um, but it's crazy to me that Dame may have co-signed these moves. I mean, it's, it's a hell of a shift in strategy. I realize over the past few years, they're a tale of 
not quite as good. They can make the playoffs. They've made real noise one year in the playoffs um, where they made the conference finals. And usually they get drummed out in the first round. And in like that, that uh, Pelicans before Davis left and Holiday, when they just got curb stomped, the Blazers did by the Pelicans because they had no answer for them. And, you know, you want to change the history of the team and the makeup of, of who you are and the trajectory of where you could be going. But to ship out all these pieces and to come back with miscellaneous parts. Now, perhaps Portland views a few of these guys kind of like they do Anthony uh, Simmons or Simons. Um, we can develop them into, and a lot of the CJ going out is Anthony is going to get those shots and he's already proven that he can score and handle a workload. So mainly that is about getting off CJ McCollum's really high contract and he'd be better served going somewhere else. That I understand. Um, it's crazy that that was the best package that you could get for him. But so be it if you already have this in the wings and you didn't feel the the need or the pressure to squeeze every last single ounce of potential trade value out of CJ McCollum. But the Norman Powell and Covington to get Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson and a second rounder out of that to me is just asinine. Um, yeah, I need to look up. Sorry, I'm going to do this in the middle. I should have already done this, but what is the outstanding amount on Bledsoe's contract, which is what I don't know. Cause if that's an expiring, that's not as bad. Nope. It's an expiring next year and he's getting 19.3 next year, uh, which perhaps someone will take that on as an expiring, but I don't know. It's a lot of moves. And Covington has been demanding on the open market over the past few years, basically two firsts over and over and over again. And that's what the Blazers had to give up to acquire him. And to do him and Powell. Now Powell had a contract that was more than likely going to be tough to move. Um, and they wanted to get off the length of that five years, 90 million, which they did, but they paid a fairly hefty price for it. Uh, you know, they're getting out of some of that money with Bledsoe's expiring sooner than Powell's and Powell gets to reunite with Kawhi, which by uh, accounts that I read, they were really close on the Raptors and uh, they're both from, um, Southern California, they know they've known each other a long time and they're friends. So this really helps out the Clippers because the Clippers are playing the long game for next season and not this year. Because a lot of the speculation was, well, they're going to shed contracts to get out from the luxury tax because, you know, if they shed uh, uh, like Serge Ibaka's minimal amount, it ends up saving them a crazy amount because they're in the repeater tax. And instead, they went in acquired salary and are just going to pay that tax and roll this team into next year. Now, it still makes sense that potentially they could ship out a guy or two like a Morris um, and get off a little bit of money, and they can always go and reacquire someone like that 
uh, later. So the Clippers may or may not be done. They could still be in salary shedding mode, but that was the belief going into it was just like, ah, who knows if Kawhi is going to come back this year. Uh, and if Kawhi is not coming back at all, then maybe we just go ahead and hold out PG with that ulnar ligament uh, issue that he's got going. And do we just roll this into next year? And that could still be the case, but to then go out and acquire more money on top of that uh, is crazy. And then we'll get into the juiciest trade. There's also Bradley Beal news. But once again, if any of you in the chat wants to jump in, tell me who your team is, what your team would like to do. The email is at the top of the chat itself, and I can send you the link from there. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what you'd like your team to do. Um, but I think the, the biggest trade that I'm not sure really many people saw this specific one coming, uh, was the blazer or not the blazers, pardon me, the Kings and the Pacers. I mean, this is, this is defining who you are for each franchise for the next few years. Cause Rumors have been floated out there that the Pacers were looking to do a fire sale. Karis Levert, who is now gone and went to, got traded to uh, the Cavs for draft compensation and Ricky Rubio's expiring contract, precisely with the Pacers, because the Pacers don't want to pay anywhere near the luxury tax. Um, it's a small market team, and the Pacers' ownership has always been averse to paying any kind of uh, a luxury tax payment. So you can always bet on them to try and stay under that. So Karis LeVert went out. Um, maybe they could have gotten more for Karis LeVert. Maybe that was the best the market could bear out. I'm not entirely sure. He's a streaky player. And one that, um, you know, it could be a beauty in the eye of the beholder situation. And you either love or you don't what Karis LeVert brings to the table. Um, he can be in a spark plug on offense. Uh, and he can also kind of shoot himself out of a game at times. And as others have pointed out, he may not be the best for ball movement and fluidity within, a, within an offense, but in a role that he would have on the Cavs, which is basically come off the with the second unit and fire away, could be the perfect role for him. He Maybe he's their Jordan Clarkson and formerly the Jamal Crawford or you know Lou Will type of play. So one of the three for sure that they're looking to move gone. So the Pacers then have two left. You got Sabonis and you got Miles Turner. The market was pretty heavy for both, although Turner being out with an injury right now cooled off his a little bit. The rumors are that he'll be back after uh, the All-Star break. And if that's the case, he really could help something, someone. So you assumed. Sabonis is the likeliest candidate as of right now. And Sabonis, it was. So the Pacers trade out Sabonis, Jeremy Lan, and Justin Holiday. And the Kings trade Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Now, Tristan Thompson is filler in the trade. Most of these are filler. Buddy Heald is in there to match Sabonis's contract. Halliburton is the prize in all of this. And rumors are that most of the league was floored that Halliburton was trade. 
because had teams had any inkling that Halliburton could be had, there might have been a more robust market. So this comes down to the Kings really like the idea of pairing Sabonis with De'Aaron Fox, and they're saying, we don't need Halliburton. It's De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell. That is our backcourt of the future. Halliburton, you're gone. And for the Pacers, I think this trade is a slam dunk flat out because you get Halliburton. He's still under a rookie deal and Buddy Heald is a tradable contract. Some team will take him off your hands. There's already been floated rumors of a potential four and five team trade in the Simmons Harden, uh, you know, ballpark where Buddy Heald might be involved to help grease the wheels and get him over to potentially Phoenix. And then Philly ships out like what I saw was Philly then sends Tobias Harris to OKC and OKC is happy to take anybody's contracts. So long as you're willing to throw in more draft assets as if they need more draft assets at this point, they're sitting on so many. It is unfathomable. They can't roster all these players. So they're going to have to consolidate these picks and start either moving up in the draft uh, for and targeting guys that they really love. So throwing three picks to get up or four picks to get up one, two, three spots, try and move up and get somebody that they really covet. They got to do something with this, but Buddy Heald is movable again. So the Pacers could be off this money by tomorrow. I mean, it's, this is a win for the Pacers. Now they have a backcourt of Halliburton and Brockton. And when Fox has been out, Halliburton has been almost a 20-point scorer who gets you assists and rebounds and is still a menace on the defensive end and does all those things. And you pair it with somebody like uh, Brogdon, who has a history of you know getting hurt and whatnot. So you know that Halliburton can run this team when he's gone. And then the speculation is that they're going to hold on to Miles Turner. Um, so now they have that as their young core and they solved a few of the issues of, they have three guys that they need to move on from hypothetically. They got, you know, they moved two, and now they have a different identity, but at least it's interesting. And they've got some young guys who can play and still maintain trade value going forward. I mean, the other reason Brogdon is in this mix because he signed that extension and didn't make him eligible. Otherwise, Brogdon very well could have been traded right now as well. Um, and if they don't move Turner, I would assume that next year it's the Halliburton and Turner show and Brogdon potentially could be traded. But for the Kings, I mean, is, is Sabonis the answer to you? Is Sabonis and Fox with Davion Mitchell the answer? Is that really going to propel you into, like, I I realized maybe there was no trade market for De'Aaron Fox, or you didn't think you would get the return that you felt he was worth. I'm understanding of that. But that being said, I would have to assume that Halliburton 
would have been the most untradeable person on that entire roster. You know, Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley and Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald and almost everybody, everybody else. I would, Halliburton would be the one person I'm holding on to. And if you want to have a discussion, I'm willing to have a discussion about anyone else on the rest of this roster, not Tyrese Halliburton. That guy is untouchable. Uh, And here we are. So the Kings are selling themselves on the reality of pairing an all-star caliber center with De'Aaron Fox. Davion Mitchell will grow into his role as being the running mate to De'Aaron Fox. And this is our core for the next three years or so. And if it works really well beyond that into the future, it's a hell of a gamble. I'm not sure I agree with the Kings thinking on this. I like Sabonis a lot, but you're still going to get roasted on defense. If he's going to be in there, your offense, if the Pacers are to be believed, what he did there is what he will do on other teams. Then your offense is going to be a good. He'll ping the ball around. He's an excellent pastor, passer, has great court vision. Uh, the ball moves when he's out there, and that could be what you're looking for. But your defense is going to take a hit. And I don't know that his offense is enough to now propel you into that upper echelon and you're competing with the big boys. We'll see, man. But the Kings, I don't, I don't know. I mean, unless this is, you know, Blazers 2.0 and this was just the floodgates opening and now Barnes is gone and uh, Holmes is gone and they find someone willing to take Bagley and if they're willing to make wholesale changes and completely change this roster and really cement it as it's these three guys and we're going to build around and tailor make the pieces for them. Uh, I'm not sure that you got enough of a return for someone of the promise that Tyrese Halliburton has because he's already rounding into an excellent player and his ceiling is really high. Um, do I think he'd be a number one on a team? I think that might be a little bit lofty, but you never know. I mean, crazier things have happened in this league. And he shows a tremendous amount of promise. Um, and don't forget if anybody in the chat, the chat is jumping off. We got a ton of people in the chat. If any of you want to join me, uh, just go ahead and email. The email address is at the very top. It's the first comment. So just copy and paste that, send it over, and I'll send you the link, and we can basically I can get the lay of the land on what you think your team should do, um, <clears throat> what you'd like them to do, whether it's stand pat, trade player X, um, acquire draft assets, whatever the case is. I'd love to hear it. Um, all right, so moving on. The other possible players that we should be on the lookout to be traded 
are, and there's still a lot. I mean, technically, outside of certain stipulations or contract provisions like poison pill situations where it makes it difficult to trade for a player, you know, technically anybody is available out there. Um, so the other potentials are Ben Simmons and James Harden. Now, everybody's been dancing around this. The rumors out this morning are there's a lot of steam or a lot of smoke rather around this. Both sides have gotten traction as to what they would want in return. Philly has made no bones about the fact that they covered James Harden. Daryl Morey runs the team. He's former GM in Houston. They also have basically other personnel and staff from Houston made the transition up to Philly, and James Harden would like to be reunited with those guys, potentially. Now, there's also the free agency that he could go into at the end of the season. If he gets traded, though, he'll make more money because he could sign a longer contract with with whatever team he's at. He could also do a sign-and-trade after this season is finished. But, I mean, this Brooklyn, is ever since KD went down, they just look terrible. And no Joe Harris there. Kyrie only available for road games. And it becomes a James Harden, we need you to do everything. And the team isn't constructed to do that. It's not. This is a top-heavy team. They sacrificed a lot of assets to construct this team as it currently exists. And so when you're asking James Harden to go out there and do that, you know, he's also not the James Harden of old. It's not like he's a bad player, but expecting him to average 30 a night right now just doesn't seem feasible. So the Nets... Interestingly, the Nets and primarily Josai and Daryl Morey don't like each other. So that's also who's in this deal. The two sides are not fans of one another uh, ever since the free Hong Kong situation. It's so much so that I believe Daryl Morey was banned from going to uh, the Nets by the ownership there. I don't know if that ban still exists, but I know he was told he couldn't come at one point. Um so the Nets are saying, okay, fine. You want James Harden. We'll take Ben Simmons, but we also want another piece or two. And initially, what was floated last week, like on, on Bill Simmons' podcast, was Seth Curry. We want Seth Curry back with it. And then as of... I think it was this morning, it was either morning, this morning or yesterday afternoon. It was Seth Corey, Seth, Seth Curry, rather, and or Tyrese Maxey and or Matisse Thibel. Now, I don't know why you would take Thibel and Ben Simmons, because that's beefing up a boatload of defense with no shooting. Um, and especially if you don't know if you're going to have Kyrie for home games. So if you could get 
Simmons and either Curry or Tyrese Maxey, but mm, I would say Curry because then you'd have a two guard that could come off the bench, get you some shooting, which is what they really need. I haven't heard anything on Joe Harris in quite a while, so they could use the extra uh, offensive punch. That makes more sense to me because KD is coming back, and then even with Kyrie as a part-time, you'd have Simmons as a ball handler and somebody can push in transition, um, and then still known for his excellent defense, and you have the extra offensive punch with somebody like a, a, a Seth Curry. If you couldn't get him and you can only get Tyrese Maxey, but then if, if I'm the Sixers, why am I giving up Tyrese Maxey? I need a point guard unless you're going to say James Harden will have the ball in his hands at all times and will do that. I just don't, I don't know. Should the Sixers really be making that much of a wholesale change? Here's where the buddy healed situation that I brought up earlier comes into play because if they want to get off Tobias Harris, because initially it was, we're looking to move both Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris if we can't package them together. And there was uh, Atlanta speculation last week with uh, John Collins being the primary that they got back. Um, and I guess I could see that hypothetically. Still keep the majority of your core, bring in somebody like Collins and maybe a Bogdanovich, and you're getting the extra shooting. That to me makes more sense than shipping out Simmons plus a Maxi or a Curry maintaining a Tobias Harris. But anyway, so the Buddy Heald would shift over from the Pacers to the Sixers, and the Sixers would send Tobias Harris to OKC. But then I'm assuming the Pacers and OKC want <coughs> draft compensation for making all of this. You know, for for greasing the wheels on this. Um, but those are the two biggest names out there of potential. And I think that's given how well Philly is playing right now, better than I thought they would this year. I thought they were going to deal with the turmoil of this Ben Simmons nonsense. And I don't I didn't personally see Tyrese Maxey blossom into this level of a, a player. Um, but that messes with a lot of chemistry and who they are to add James Harden. And then by doing that, you're also agreeing to extend James Harden to a max deal where the last couple of years of that deal, he's going to be in his mid thirties, making $50 million a year. Is that has, let me put it this way. Has James Harden shown the Chris Paul, LeBron James dedication to his body and craft to justify paying him that much money at that age, considering he's four years younger than that right now. And he's got a gut, you know, LeBron spends a million and a half a year on his, his training and staying in shape with nutritionists and personal trainers and, uh, you know, cryo chambers and, and whatever the hell else, you know, the high altitude sleeping chambers and uh, everything else that he does. Uh, Chris Paul came out last week that he spends a million a year on those types of services, his chefs, his meals, personal trainers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do, do we really see James Harden doing that? I don't. 
Prove me wrong, James. Prove us all. But you don't... I, I would find it hard to justify paying him that much money when he already looks out of shape now. But Daryl Morey has also spent more time with him, knows him better than any of us. And it, you know, he, he got the Rockets to the precipice of the finals. And had they not suffered injuries, I think they had a damn good shot at taking down the Warriors. And if they just beat the Warriors, then they win a championship. And we think of Chris Paul and James Harden in slightly different light these days. I mean, if they, if it were other players, if this was Chris Paul and they were trying to make a shift, a, a trade for it. And it you know, it was Chris Paul was on the nets, but he wanted out. That to me makes more sense. Cause Chris Paul also is a coach out on the floor and he does all the little things and can get guys into positions, reads defense as well. And those win, and how to exploit um, just sees the game incredibly well. You know, it's got a great nickname, Point God, but it's well-deserved. But those are the two biggest names out there still to be had. Whether or not that comes to fruition, only time will tell. Because Philly may not need to expend all the assets to get him. If James is willing to take a little bit less money, and sign there instead of having to do a sign and trade, they could have all the pieces to be championship contenders year in, year out without having to sacrifice some of these guys. Or it would give them the flexibility to use those guys in trades to uh, pare down their roster if they don't have enough minutes for everybody, a la, you know, uh, what Atlanta could potentially be doing. They started with the Cam Reddish stuff. And supposedly Tibbs was not a fan of that trade, but who knows the validity of that. Um, So those are the two biggest names. We'll see which of those two come off the board. And I keep checking with Woj to see if there are any bombs. And I have yet to see anything. I'll check with Shams. Shams' ass has got to be chapped. He's been scooped a couple times. Um, yeah, Shams is, hasn't posted anything since yesterday, uh, yesterday late afternoon. That was the last time we heard anything from Shams, which at this time of year kind of means you're dead because Woj has stuff from an hour ago, uh, with the Utah trade. And now he's retweeting more about the Blazers. Okay, so just more about what the 2022 picks are in that Joe Ingles trade. Blazers get a 2022 second rounder from Memphis from the Jazz via Memphis, let's put it that way. Uh, But nothing cataclysmically new since we started this. So the other names out there to be had. Eric Gordon and Christian Wood on the Houston Rockets, but Eric Gordon primarily. There's got to be a contender out there that was willing to make a move 
for Eric Gordon. And then the name that has been floated the absolute most is Jeremy Grant. So I got to assume one of those two, if not both, are moved. Now, there's been discussion out of Detroit that they might be willing to sit on Jeremy Grant and just trade him in the offseason. Um, you would assume that they could extract more future draft pick compensation now than they could in the offseason. Uh, but that being said, we're coming down to the wire. And Jeremy Grant, Eric Gordon, I figured would be the two of the quicker moves in all of this because both teams should be motivated to move those guys. They have no real incentive to hold on to them uh, considering the timeline of their team is so much younger than these guys, especially in Eric Gordon's case, that there's got to be you know, a market out there for them. Um, once the Cavs go out and make a move for Karis Levert, well, it kind of shuts down the market for someone like uh, an Eric Gordon or you know, any of the other uh, two guards that potentially you could see coming off. Um, and I'm assuming at this point, the Cavs will hold on to Colin Sexton and try and just figure it out in the offseason what they're going to do with that. But be on the lookout for the Jeremy Grant, you know, Eric Gordon, potential move situations. I just said Christian Wood. Question as to whether or not Miles Turner still gets traded. I think he stands pat at this point. Um. And will the Kings be moving anybody else? I don't know. I don't know. Harrison Barnes is still potential uh, to get moved. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, potentially. Is someone willing to take a flyer on Marvin Bagley? And maybe they get some sort of draft compensation back for that, quite possibly. Uh, I don't think the the Kings want to give him any money. Um, it's one of the biggest draft blunders in recent history. Uh you know, will Tobias Harris be moved? And what about the, you know, is is Atlanta going to shake up their roster? Because they have Gallinari. You know, the last I heard is almost anybody is available on that team. And since they've been playing better lately, I think the John Collins stuff has died down a little bit. But Gallinari can definitely be had. Um. Could you get a Bogdanovich? I think Herter stays put. Uh, Trey obviously does. And then if somebody's willing to take DeAndre Hunter off their hands, I'm pretty sure Atlanta would listen to that offer. Um, and then the, there's, you know, speculation as to the Wizards wanting to be, for some reason, we're going to be players in this and try and acquire guys which did make a boatload of sense but breaking news is that Bradley Beal is now going to be shut down for the season he's going to have surgery on his wrist and all signs point to he's going to sign that super max extension with the Wizards which is a five year almost 250 million dollars it's 245 I believe now, it doesn't mean he can't demand a trade later on, as we've seen other players do. But Bradley Beal has pretty much maintained since very early on. He likes being with the Wizards. If there was ever a time to trade him, it'd be now, because then the team that got him would be 
acquiring his rights to give him that type of uh, Supermax extension. But so with him going down, does that asinine speculation or rumors being floated out that the Wizards are going to be buyers in the market, does that subside? Will they be able to find a trade partner for Spencer Denwitty? Because I think they'd like to get off of Denwitty. Uh, I don't know anybody that... I can't think of a team off the top of my head that is willing to take or sacrifice any real assets to get them. Um, but it kind of changes slightly the landscape of what they were going to do. It's interesting that he, you know, opted into it now. Um, but all right. So nobody has emailed in the chat has decided to just chat amongst themselves. I got no problem. I have not said hello to you all, but I'll go through and say hello to everybody here. Ramon Cook, Jordan Anderson, Yuri McGarley, uh, Stephen Salas, Jake Cleveland, Daniel Savoy, Timothy R. Williams, Riley Pangrass, Sean Gardner, JMB, Professor Rhino, and I think that's everybody's. So instead of going through the chat, does anybody have any quick takes they want to throw in at the bottom right now? Any thoughts, any real quick, because otherwise um, we'll go ahead and wrap this up uh, a little bit earlier than anticipated. I figured I'd have a few of you on, bring you on for a couple minutes, hear your pieces, what you wanted from your team, and then move on. But it's fine if you guys want to keep it in the chat. I got zero problem with that. Um, I can try and scan through and see if there was any. So probably Pancras is does. Indy trade Brogdon, they can't because of the extension. Um, oh, Sean Gardner. There you go. Cleared that up in the chat. Thank you, Sean, for helping out. Um, let's see. I'll start at the top, see if there was anything. Well, thoughts on the all-star reserves and all that. Uh, we can get to that on next week's show. And just as a heads up, two weeks from now, I will not be having a show. I'm going to be out of town, and there's no way that uh, more than likely I'd be able to take all my gear and record with me. So I'm going to take one week off in the middle of the season. I apologize. Uh, it doesn't happen all that often. Um, Steven Salas says, sounds like the Jays stay in Boston. I kind of assumed that they were going to do that. They've made moves around the, uh, on the margins. And, you know, Dennis Schroeder's another one that very easily could be uh, shipped out. Somebody might want to take a flyer on him. They're nowhere near championship uh, contention, but I think they've been playing better lately, which is, now going to keep Marcus Smart um, in Boston, at least for this season. Um, although the speculation is that the T-Wolves are really interested in him. Um, and I guess if Boston get the right package back for him, they would ship him up. But the two Jays, in my opinion, are going to stay for the time being in Boston. Um, and if either of them gets shipped out, it's going to be Jalen Brown. Jake Cleveland asked, what do you do with Russell Westbrook? Well, you're going to ride out this season with Russell Westbrook unless the John Wall return package is going to be your option. Uh, don't Doing this dance, again, the rumors floated out at the end of last week were swapping Wall and Westbrook. Los Angeles sacrifices a first rounder to do it. They're 27, I believe, is the first year that they can trade it out. Then Westbrook gets to Houston. Houston buys out Westbrook. Westbrook signs with the Wizards. 
that's the speculation I saw like on Friday or so of last week. Maybe it was over the weekend. Um, but otherwise, you are stuck with Westbrook. And you're stuck with a team that uh, has no real championship aspirations. Um, all right, so I'm assuming... Oh, Jake Cleveland asked uh, what to do with Westbrook again. Make sure you got it at the bottom. I appreciate that. Um, so the next... Uh, so Yuri McGearley says, I would have called uh, what to do with Westbrook, and then his reply, reply to Jake Cleveland is, I would have called to talk my Mav uh, about his Mavs making moves, but they don't do moves. Um, you don't really have much outside of Jalen Brunson. I'm not sure what tradable contracts with Tim Hardaway Jr. being out, unless you're going to get somebody to bite on someone else or potentially ship out Chris Stapps while his value has gone back up a little bit. Uh, I don't know what moves you possibly could have made. Professor Reiner says, do you have any trades you wish the Bulls would make? No, I want to stand pat because the only trade asset that I think people would inquire about would be Pat Williams, and I don't want to give up on Pat Williams just yet uh, because it's better to have that kind of, let's say That's why the, the Jeremy Grant for Pat Williams, it's like, well, Jeremy Grant wants to go to a team where he's going to get shots, and he also wants a four-year extension, and I don't want to pay Jeremy Grant on top of maxing Levine with DeRozan and Vucevic and Lonzo. And it just, I'd rather put that money somewhere else. So you have a cheaper contract under with Pat Williams. And then also, um, I think you could net something that would help the team better long-term if you could develop him a little bit more, if you want to get off of them. But no, I hope the Bulls stand pat. Look, we've had a lot of injuries and COVID this season, and we're still, in the top three. Not too shabby. So long as we stay out of the play-in game, I'm perfectly happy with this team. If we get everybody healthy back for the playoffs, we could win, win a first-round matchup. I think we're a problem for several different teams. Other teams are a problem for us, as evidenced by that uh, game with Philly. Uh, you know, Embiid is a problem for us. Uh, but no, I hope the Bulls stand pat. Yeah, Riley Pangrass is apparently OKC was talking to Philly about Harris probably trying to get a first in 2029. Yeah, of course, they're willing to take it. You just got to sacrifice draft assets so that for some ungodly reason, OKC can have even more picks, although a 29 actually would benefit them more because they, over the next four seasons, the next four drafts, they have so many picks that it doesn't even make sense. Like, I don't know what you do with all this. You have to make a trade at some point to get somebody or combine all these picks to move up. It's the only thing that makes sense. Even if you're sacrificing a more than you should on, in a normal year, you have so many, it doesn't really matter. Yes, it will. If you do it enough, it will bite you in the ass. Uh, but otherwise you're just going to sit on all these draft picks like the Celtics did for years. We got all these picks. What could they be? And it just ends up being a whole lot of nothing. So at some point you're going to have to shit or get off the pot. 
JMB asks, I know this is a noob question, but why has Westbrook been such a poor fit in LA? Ignore this if it's too noob noobly. All right, interesting. Um, well, Westbrook, God, how to put this kindly, is still a good player, but he has distinct limitations. And the problem is the Lakers sent out Kuzma and KCP, and they let Alex Caruso walk. So they sacrificed a tremendous amount of defense and also three-point shooting. Now, Westbrook can get you steals, but he's not really known as a lockdown defender, but it's not on the defensive side that he hurts them most. It's the lack of spacing and shooting that he gives them. I mean, he's great in transition. He can finish at the rim, um, but he is not a good shooter. And it's also been a decline pretty much bankably every year where it's gotten slightly worse and slightly worse. He was never a good outside shooter, but over the past few seasons, I mean, it's been last year, especially from three, he was abysmal, just abysmal when he played for the wizards. It was not good in the slightest. So if you reduce the shooting, you've, if you've watched enough LeBron games in the past, LeBron teams succeed when you surround him with three-point shooters. That's why excising, you know, Caruso and KCP and Kuzma was a big flat, fat red, red flag, especially when they could have traded somebody like Kuzma to the Kings and gotten Buddy healed back in ret return, but they would have had to sacrifice Taylor Horton Tucker as well to do it. And they were like, we're not doing that. And now there is absolutely no trade market for Taylor Horton Tucker. Zero. Nobody wants to touch that contract. And uh, I'm not surprised. I'm not a fan of them. I don't, I think for that price point, they could have spent that money much wise, much more wisely. But, you know, Westbrook gets a lot of the blame, but the construction overall of this team of filling in with a bunch of veteran minimums um, sounds, it looks good on paper, but in execution, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. They just don't have the shooting to compete with any kind of high potent offense. And then couple that with their defense, which under Vogel until this season had been top tier, if not best in the league has slipped. And now their defense is dog shit. So it's a combination of those two things. And it's easy to point the blame at Westbrook because he is the biggest face as these, this huge addition that, Oh my God, this is going to propel us into another championship. And anybody that's been watching over the past few years, it's just like, well, LeBron is getting older. AD is guaranteed to miss 20 games minimum. And Westbrook is on the decline. I mean, Westbrook, in essence, is a slot receiver. And once he loses his step, how good is he anymore? He's, he's, he's AI. Once AI wasn't good enough to blow past everybody, he was out of the league in a couple seasons. Westbrook is going to be the same thing. Once he's no longer one of the quickest guys on the court and you can easily stay in front of him or more easily stay in front of him, it produces effectiveness. And if he's not willing to basically drive to the bucket to get all his shots within 10 feet, uh, you know, and he's going to settle and shoot for threes at times when he shouldn't. It's just, he's an easy person to blame given who he is. 
Um, all right. Well, I think we're going to end it there. We're almost at an hour. I can't wait uh, to see what. Oh, lastly, so Jake Cleveland said, have you heard Mitchell wants to have, basically asking if I've heard if Mitchell wants to leave Utah. Um, now that Dwayne Wade is part of the front office and they've gone out there and, and I, I, I would imagine he stands pat for now. I have not heard any real discussion of him wanting to leave. Although there now is renewed friction between him and Gobert. And I think given the choice, the team would side with Donovan Mitchell because uh, it's a proven track record. If you want to win championships, you do it more often than not with a player like Donovan Mitchell. And as great as Gobert is on defense, you can make up for that defense if you get the right pieces around someone like Donovan Mitchell. Um, but I haven't heard anything specifically about Mitchell wanting to leave. Uh, but that's just me personally. Very well could have, and I missed it. Who knows? Uh, but that's it. That is it for Drop of Dimes today. Thank you so much for joining the Trade Deadline Show. Uh, just a reminder, not next week, but the week after, I will not be doing a show. So it'll be next week, take a week off, and then right back to the regular scheduled programming. Uh, so I'll see you guys next week with another edition. Make sure uh, to like and subscribe. If you're watching on uh, YouTube, I'd appreciate it. If you're listening on a podcast, uh, subscribe and leave a comment. It always helps, and it's uh, thoroughly appreciated. And you can follow me at Matt Nose. That is it for Dropping Dimes. Stay safe out there. I'll see you guys next week with another new edition. Until then, adios.